they're going to fire me now. Who, whoever is our boss. Uh, well, that could be me. I'm Dr. No. Susan Little, and I'm going to decide that you could get fired over saying bad podcasts. No, I'll talk with our CEO. Who's oh, our CEO? Our CEO, Frank. Frank. My cat. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. And you're always so certain about yourself. That's the, wonderful. The... I wouldn't have signed. I wouldn't necessarily have gone to this meeting. Really? And you know, there's a lot of meetings mm. that I should go to. Mm. And then when I saw the topic, I said, "Well, this is my life." Mm. You know, mm. um, this necklace was a gift from a cat that has mm. uh, pancreatitis, small cell lymphoma, mm. heart failure. Um, he intermittently is diabetic, and I'm just waiting for him to be hyperthyroid because he's 18. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you cats know. do. Oh, that is exactly what cats I do. I, I'm fond yeah. of saying that cats collect diseases, right? Why stop at one? And yeah. why not get multiple diseases? And so that's exactly why I, this meeting is so interesting yeah. to me, is mm -hmm. because of the the topic. Yeah. Now mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting because it it's going to be a lot of opinion. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. the, where, where is there you... data on yeah. how do and you manage this? This is cats? such a good introduction. So. Um, because we're already talking and we're taping already, but let's introduce our guest first. Who are we talking to? Uh, I'm Ann Hohenhaus. Uh, I'm a veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in New York City. And um, I am an, both an oncologist and internist, which means I really like to manage cats with complicated diseases because <laughs> that's what they have. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And my name is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts of the Purr Podcast. Mm -hmm. The best, the best did, cat did podcast you say the ever. Bad? I know I did. You did. Oh, they're going <laughs> to fire me now. Who, whoever is our boss. Uh, well, that could be me. I'm Dr. No. Susan Little, and I'm going to decide that you could get fired over saying bad podcasts. No, I'll talk with our CEO. Who's oh, our CEO? Our CEO, Frank. Frank. My cat. Yeah, Frank the cat. He? He's a black and white, like yes. sort of a tuxedo cat. Yes. Oh, yeah, I, I really, I'm very partial to those. Although He's, I kind of like orange males too. I mm. agree with you. It, now, don't let Frank hear this, but mm. orange males are my favorite. Really? Frank, however, is very clever. He's yes. very clever. He learns That's tricks. That's why he's our CEO. He's our CEO. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. we also have a chief technology officer. That's Brian. Brian. Who really has one talent. Yes. Um, he's my other cat. And his main talent is eating. Yeah, there are a lot of cats whose main talent yes. is eating. So. Uh, yeah. eating. And if they only had thumbs, they would use the can opener and we wouldn't have to feed them. Exactly. Would. That would be ideal. Ideal. They so would. we're really excited to have you here, Anne. We're in Tokyo of all places, so yeah. this is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, we're sitting in a small... Uh, well, yeah. actually, you know, a good for size hotel for, for Tokyo. This is one of the biggest yeah. hotel rooms I've ever been in Japan. We're yes. sitting in a really big hotel room <laughs> in Japan. Thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and we're very excited to have you here. What um, are your topics here? Yeah. Yeah, what are you talking about here? Um, I have two internal medicine topics. One is a topic about that species we can't talk about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then one is about anemia, which will be cats and that species we can't talk about. Mm -hmm. And then I have four oncology topics, which will be uh, chemotherapy drugs, all species, um, uh, diagnostic imaging. Mm. How do you know if you oh. should order that CAT scan? 
Yeah. Oh, and, nice. Um, yeah. And MRI and when should you do mm-hmm. more testing? Um, and then one about how to talk to cat owners uh, about lymphoma. <gasps> That's a great one. And then uh, the last one is uh, making sense out of nonsense, which is all those lymphoma diagnostics that no one knows. The minute someone says, I think I'll do PAR, yeah. then I say, oh, I think I want IHC. So um, it's, it's a tough topic. And the answer to the question is it will be different next year. Because <laughs> as, as we learn more about these advanced lymphoma diagnostics, we end up realizing that what we did last year is not what we should be doing mm. this year. It, yeah. it's, a, it's a really challenging area. It's a moving target, really, right now, isn't it? Evolving, evolving target. Or, or evolving lymphoma. Yeah. I mean, that's ah. what the pathologists are saying now is, no, not evolving, emerging lymphoma. Oh, really? Well, like another emerging lymphoma biopsy. Mm. Yeah, even when, so you huh. biopsy the GI tract in a cat, and, and they say, ma, 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 which means pathologist is waffling and isn't going to make a call on that. Mm. Then you order PAR. Now I'm getting back all these, it used to be yes lymphoma, no lymphoma. Now yeah. I'm getting this middle ground, it's like a mast cell grade two. Mm. Um, and and it, it it's frustrating because emerging lymphoma, well, man, should I treat it, should I not? What should I do with so it? So can you know? define emerging lymphoma then to me? I'm not sure, well, I think what the pathologist is using, and I'll tell you, this is only mm-hmm. cropped up in probably the last less than six months. I think what they mean is they've got a polyclonal background. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some cells that don't show up light up on the par, but then there's starting to be a smattering of cells that are par positive, which tells us that there's some cells with that mutation that you're worried about. And so I think that they don't know how to call it. Mm. I also think that the internist gets these cases, or the person like Susan, gets these cases and they're like losing weight and they're not hyperthyroid and and they're not in heart failure and they're not diabetic and they're not all these other things. So then you say, ooh, I better biopsy that GI tract. And I think we're doing that more quickly. And mm-hmm. then the cats lost a little bit of weight as opposed to, used to be you'd see them, they'd lost three pounds. You know, it was a 14 pound cat that now weighs 11 pounds. And then pathology would say, oh, those are lymphoma. But now, our our cut point to say oh we better biopsy the GI tract is earlier, and then I think we're getting this man I'm at emerging lymphoma, and mm. I don't know if we should wait longer to biopsy them. Um, I, I don't know what to do about it. Mm. So it, it seems to me this comes out a, a little bit comes out of that spectrum of are you IBD transitioning into lymphoma? Is is do you think that's what's happening in those cats? So. Or do you think it's like I'm going from normal and then I'm trying to emerge into lymphoma? I am unconvinced. Well, I think there's two things that can happen. So we've got cats with IBD, we've got cats with small cell lymphoma, we've got cats with large cell lymphoma. So we did publish a study about a year ago where we absolutely had cats that had small cell lymphoma that were biopsy documented and then they started going south they started doing very poorly and all of a sudden developed large cell lymphoma i remember that that's only about at least in our database in new york only about 10 percent of cats with Mm. small cell lymphoma but it's not not none Mm. and and so that's one emerging lymphoma problem that's not what i'm talking about here i'm talking about those cats that i think have a normal polyclonal 
GI tract because your your GI tract has a lot of T cells mm. and they should be polyclonal because they're doing their thing. And I think that at some point they shift and start making malignant ones. And so I th but I think because we're all sensitized to these weight loss caps that instead of blowing them off like we probably did five years ago. Mm. Now we're like, hey, we better biopsy these cats. But I think we're biopsying them so early that our test is giving us equivocal, not sure what I should do results. And then, then there are those cats with IBD, but I don't see that population of cats because they don't come to me until they really have lymphoma. Mm. You, you don't come to see a cancer specialist unless you have lymphoma. But I get the sense that those cats with IBD are much more diet responsive and also have a lot more diarrhea than those small cell lymphoma cats I see. The ones I see usually are weight loss cats without a lot of other clinical signs, thick GI loops mm. and weight loss, you know, and not hyperthyroid, not diabetic, mm -hmm. not, 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 all mm -hmm. this, not pancreatitis. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so is there a, a similarity with other species with these emergent lymphomas like humans? that you know of? Oh, well, I know that humans will get a T-cell enteropathy, mm. and that may emerge out of celiac disease or non-tropical sprue. Okay. So people who have celiac disease, which is gluten intolerance, and, and I don't mean those people who choose to eat a gluten-free diet, those people who have an allergy, a documented allergy mm -hmm. to gluten, are at greater risk for developing T-cell lymphoma in their GI tract than you or I are. And so that may that might be an analogy that, mm. that would be applicable here. So it, it, it may take some time until we can follow some of these cats along for a while maybe and see some of these emerging guys, right, and see. But it, you know, it would strike me that if they had clinical signs enough that we had to biopsy them. Well, right? that, that's the, the thing is that they're, they're definitely losing weight yeah. because who's going to biopsy a cat that's not losing weight or having diarrhea? It's just not going to happen. But the, I'll tell you the other thing is I've had a couple of these cats that I think fake you out. So Fake cats. They're not well. fake cats. They're <laughs> real cats, but they got a fake disease, mm -hmm. meaning that I have a cat that had emerging small cell lymphoma, cat got biopsied early because the owner had another cat that had small cell lymphoma that mm -hmm. I took care of before. So she was all on top of it. Went to internal medicine and they said, hmm, losing weight, thick GI loops, better biopsy. But then this cat, very shortly after getting started on prednisone or prednisolone, got hyperglycemic. And I was like, ooh, cut that pred back. And then it was still hyperglycemic. And then all of a sudden I was about to say, okay, you recheck next week. If your glucose is not down, you get insulin. And the cat had a total cat meltdown, shock, vomiting, diarrhea, big mess, pancreatitis. And if you went back in that cat's history, it's, it's FPL mm. was a little bit elevated. Then of course, by the time it ended up in ICU, it was like really elevated FPL. And so my question Feline is... Feline pancreatic lipase? Yes. And, and I am wondering if that cat really had some chronic pancreatitis, mm. vomiting weight loss, and hyperglycemia. Usually, cats that you put on steroids for whatever, don't get diabetic in the first month they're on steroids, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It takes some time. It usually takes time. Often a lot of time. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it, usually they 
become you can see the it blimp coming. cat. Mm-hmm. It's, well, that's not what happened in this cat at all. And mm. So I wonder if this cat got its GI tract focused on when maybe we should have been looking at its pancreas. Mm. Yeah, but that also highlights the difficulties of diagnosing chronic pancreatitis in cats, doesn't oh, it? Like yeah. talk about yeah. difficult diagnoses. I mean, really, do any of us feel secure? No. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel secure in one scenario, and that is you got a sick cat not doing well, showing GI signs. Mm-hmm. Pancreas is puffy on ultrasound. The FPL is through the roof. And then I'm kind of like, okay, I'm happy with this. This particular cat's FPL was a little up. Pancreas was not puffy on ultrasound. But then when it had the shock collapse episode, that's much more typical of acute Cute. pancreatitis mm-hmm. in the cat than it is of small cell GI lymphoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe it was like a smoldering chronic pancreatitis and had an acute on chronic episode. And his problem really was the pancreatitis? That's what I think, mm. because this cat is now on... I, I'm, I've been afraid to take him off of steroids because he wasn't doing well till we put him back on some. And now I have him on 1.25 milligrams of prednisolone once a day. Like a touch. Which is like yeah. a whiff. It's like a homeopathic prednisone. dose, really. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not... I, that's what I said. I said, oh, am I really doing anything with this, this dose? But you don't have to take them off. But you know what? The cat's not losing weight. Yeah. He's not vomiting. He feels really great. Yeah. Uh, it, and he's not hyperglycemic. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to run with this for as long as I can sure. run with this. And then when something changes, I'm changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I, I can't obsess about treating numbers on a blood test or anything i really think i have to treat this cat and the cat's good the owner's happy i'm happy that's where i'm I'm at i'm really happy that you brought up the fact that as a oncologist you're treating not only cats with tumors but you're treating cats with multiple diseases because i think that it's interesting to when i was a surgical oncologist which i just as stupid surgeon, uh, you don't have to do anything, you just cut things out. But when you have oncologic patients, it's never an easy patient. It's never a, you just cut out the tumor and then you're done. It's very rare that I have a cat patient that has a single disease. Mm -hmm. It just isn't. Now maybe if I saw cats that were eight instead of 18, they'd have Mm -hmm. a single disease, Mm -hmm. but not not common at all, um, Mm -hmm. which is, why I said I go to San Francisco, twist my arm, mm-hmm. and uh, go to the cat meeting. Mm-hmm. Yes. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that's a AFP meeting yeah. in American San Francisco. Association of Feline Practitioners. And yep. uh, very excited because I'm going there. Susan is going there. Mm-hmm. Anne is going there. Yep. Everybody's going there. That's yeah, awesome. Everybody important is going. I know. Yeah. I know. But but this is why because it yeah. really is the feline thing um, to do. I think it was a uh, Craig Webb from Colorado State who said something like. If you have a middle-aged or older cat and you diagnose one disease, if you're a smart clinician, you're wondering, what else does this yeah. cat have? Oh, right? yeah. And that's such a truism, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, we often do lectures about um, a disease, you know, like do a pancreatitis lecture or do an IBD lecture, as if cats come only with one disease, mm-hmm. when so often, um, especially as they get older, they don't come with one disease, right? So they come with multiple diseases. Yeah. And especially in the gastrointestinal tract, um, I'm always suspicious there's something else going on if we identify issues in one organ. If there isn't today, maybe there will be um, in the future, right? Or, or you just just haven't done the right test to find it. Totally. Kind of yep. Thing. Yep. And because it, it's not that it's always easy. It's it's a little little easier that um, than it was. Um, 
you know, we do a little, little better with some of these newer, well, relatively newer pancreatic tests. Uh, we spend a lot more time looking at cobalamin levels now in cats, which I think is really helpful. But still, these are biopsy-based diagnoses. So do you think, what's your experience with the, uh, the, pill, the cobalamin pills? Yeah, so we have, um, uh, because you know we have two only cat practices, we have a lot of cats on cobalamin for whatever reason, and um, most get it by injection, um, mainly because it's easier, right? So cobalamin orally has to be given daily. And right, so for most cat owners, um, if I have to give myself, my cat something daily, or I can give it a periodic injection, I'll go with the injection. But of the ones we do have on oral cobalamin, they, they do seem to do well. They do seem to uh, uh, absorb. They seem to get normal levels. Just not acceptable for every cat. I was surprised because I was pretty skeptical about that. Indeed. I said, Ooh, doesn't make if, sense. They've got a GI tract that's not working, so why would I put something in their GI tract to, to treat the problem? Mm. It didn't make any sense to me. But I had a couple clients who were really squeamish about the yes. injections. Yeah. Yeah. And so I said, okay, well, let's, let's see what happens. And I had this cat that was, the owners, there's no one that could have given this cat an injection. It involved like a giant taco burrito blanket, 12 mm. people. He was... He was just—he was striking and hissing and screaming. He was not having it. He was not having it, and I was afraid to have, even have the staff demo it because I was like, "Oh, they're—I'm going they're to lose fingers, and they'll all be in the ER, and we it's got not safe." To do today. Yeah. So these—the cat liked it. He would eat the little pills in his food. So the two or three cats I have on the pills. Their cobalamin has normalized in the reasonable amount of time than I thought it was going to, and it seems to be okay. So I'm less skeptical about it than I was. I, I agree with you. I was skeptical too because it just doesn't make sense. Makes no sense at all. Makes no sense at all. But um, maybe the surgeon can explain that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're not absorbing it's, cobalamin, it's all why about does the more? microbiome? That's what uh, I learned. Well, it's it, all about the it might be about the microbiome. Everything is yeah. microbiome. See? Yeah. Took that by surprise. Yeah. Mm. Good one. Mm. Good one. Yeah. So, so going back to the original, so the multi faceted diseases in, in cats. It almost sounds like that we need to get a specialization in internal medicine and then uh, gerontology. Is it gerontology? Like older? Yes, yeah. seniors, sure. Senior. Yeah. Because I, I think yeah. when, if the, I always try to translate things to a private practitioner. So here I am, you know, I'm really busy. I have five, ten minutes per, per case. And now this really old cat comes in where I'm probably saying, oh, you know, I probably need to expand my session for another hour because yeah. of all yeah. the problems that are coming and so if you can specialize a little bit in the older cats you know that you know this is the time that i need you know if you can you need to get a really good history you probably need to do a really good physical exam you do need a battery of tests etc so you know um if my mother gets sick she doesn't go to a normal doctor she goes to a gerontologist or whatever you mm. call them so yeah it's a human that, specialty it, yeah. well, but I think that's what people like Anne do, though. That's what you do. Well, I do a lot of elderly cats. And, of mm. course, New York City promotes that elderly cat thing because we get really... Our cats are really safe, mm -hmm. you know. They, the most except scary they place they go is, is... Yeah, except when they fall out of their windows. But mm -hmm. the, the most scary place they go is to see me. And mm -hmm. for yeah. some of them, it's really scary. <laughs> but, I, see, I don't think you can fix all these problems in one thing yeah. and I also one exam and so I also think that 
trying to get everything done in one visit doesn't make sense. And sometimes yeah. it's better to do a little and work on this and then think about the patient a little bit. So, you know, being from New York, everyone wants stuff fixed in a New York minute. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I have to say to people, I don't, I'm not really sure exactly what's wrong with your pet and I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. And so we're going to do these things today and then you're going to make an appointment and you're going to come back sometime in the next two weeks and we're going to get an ultrasound and an x-ray. And then I'm going to try and put all these pieces together. Because sometimes these cats come with a hundred pages of medical record that's been generated by a private practitioner. It takes me a while to sort through it. So I think we should be less in a rush to try and think that we're obligated to fix these cats instantly. And sometimes seeing them and doing one thing, that's the other thing that I don't like to do. I don't like to start five new medications at one time because you start five new medications and then the cat's going down the tubes. Mm. Well, which one do you stop? Well, either stop all five and then... And so so really, I think it's that, better one at a time. And that's a really good point because I remember that my mother went to the specialist in, in elderly people. The first thing that person did was cut her 30 medications down to five. Yeah. Mm. I yeah, mean, it's exactly. amazing how easy you add on medications. Mm. We do it in veterinary medicine all the time, oh. too. And, and then do not think about the whole picture. And that person was so good and said, okay, okay, what are the essential things? Yes. Why are there four blood thinners instead of only one? You know, mm. it's, it's just a different way of thinking and a different way of processing the problems that the cat has. Well, the other thing is that my brother's a nurse anesthetist and he knows a lot about certain drugs. Mm. He knows a ton about them. And we were having trouble with a patient and I called him up and I said, hey, do older people have trouble handling this particular class of drug? And he said, oh yeah, we, we cut the dose way back in older people because they're more sensitive to it. Hmm. And so I think that that's something always to keep in mind is the older patients may not tolerate as many medications. They may not tolerate being pilled as much. They Medications are, the more you give, the more likely those drugs are starting to butt heads. Mm. And I, that, I think, I'm a less is more person when it comes to drugs. Um, yeah. I think your mother is a good doctor. Yeah, I think that's really true for in feline medicine too because we can overload clients with asking oh. them to do too much and we risk them doing nothing and giving up when they don't need to necessarily. Yes, because we compliance goes down com way. Yeah, way ad you, adherence, you know. yes, we're supposed exactly. to say adherence, oh. yes. But but yeah, exactly, and and I, so I've, I've said this before, and it's not, in, I've said this before in lectures, and it's not that I wish everybody gets their own cat with complex diseases, but when it does happen to you, and you become the owner, uh, you learn a lot about what you ask your clients to do. All right. Thank you so much for the first part of this amazing podcast. Thank you for being here. It's been a pleasure to be here. It's well, who, how many other people get to come to Tokyo to do a podcast? Exactly. Exactly. That <laughs> is true. a podcast about cats. And Even a, better. Yeah. A cat podcast yeah. in Japan. Yeah. It is true. It's true. And we, the best news is that we have another one coming. Yes. Yeah. Time goes fast. So we'll, we'll be able to continue in the second part of our great discussion um, with you, Anne. So thank you very much. And we have to remind people, please, uh, to subscribe to our podcast uh, or and give us a rating. Uh, how many stars? Five. <laughs> well, we'd like five. <laughs> okay, five would be excellent. cool. <laughs> so thank you so much, Anne. It's my pleasure to be here.
Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at Cat Pet Susan. Dr. Yurl Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVE. TSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at per podcast. 